Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast with your host, me, Victoria Fix. On your Weekly Fix podcast, we talk all the issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But most importantly, we talk about issues that impact you, your family, your friends, and your communities. So you can listen, encourage conversation, and eventually get out there and better advocate for yourselves and each other. Hey everyone, welcome back to your Weekly Fix podcast. My name is Victoria Fix and as always I am so happy to be here and recording for you guys. I don't know why I always say that because I think you can just assume that I'm happy to be here. I love recording this for you guys. So um, yeah, welcome back. This is going to be a normal episode, a lengthier one and as you can tell by the title of this episode, It is all about my life in New York, college, how to make the most of college, um, what college was like in New York City, my tips on internships, landing a job, becoming involved on your campus, outside of campus, work, professional stuff, and we will also talk a little bit about what um it's like like some tips I have on getting a job for like out of college um a lot of people have submitted questions and suggestions to me about like wanting me to talk about life in New York um people talked about like maybe me doing an episode on the pressures I had in New York um like it was their pressure like uh like did you feel out of place uh when it came to like wealth and like like living that high life like kind of stuff like that and um I want to talk about that but I just feel like uh for the audience I just wanted to kind of simplify it not simplify it but talk a little bit actually more broadly not simplifying and talk a little bit more broadly about um some constructive advice that I think you guys can use uh, on your everyday life and I also just want to say before we get started that even if you are not in college if you dropped out of college if you will like decided not to continue if you decided not to go if you are in the middle of college if you just graduated like whatever the case may be I think this episode is still going to be um beneficial no matter what step you are in in your life and a lot of the things I will talk about are things that are transferable like I said to like any sector or any job or any point in your life Um, it's just things that I've picked up over time and I really find to be helpful I'm in no way a professional and I really shouldn't give advice but um, I think I've had a lot of really cool like personal experiences with a lot of growth and I have found things that have really worked for me and um I'd love to share them with you guys while also, of course, touching on life in New York and um, what college was like in in New York as well. So that being said, we are going to get on with the episode. I don't really have any housekeeping things to talk about um, other than the fact that I have really become dropped, you know, the ball on the BLM forum that I have talked to you guys a little bit about on the Facebook group just because if you guys have listened to my past episodes or follow me on social media, uh, my grandpa's been in the hospital and I've just been not as focused, I guess, because I've been trying to grieve or, you know, just not grieve, but spend time with my family and do things for me and, and try to distract myself a little bit and I just don't think I'm in the right place to uh, moderate that right now. So, that's on pause. Um, I hope you guys understand and yeah, we will do it eventually because we can always have a discussion on racial issues. So we will just continue to talk about them on the podcast for now. So thank you guys for your support. That Facebook group is uh, just type your weekly fix podcast in the uh, Facebook search bar and it's a private group. You just answer one question and I will accept you pretty quickly. It's a really cute uh, little group that we have going on and it just builds that community of listeners. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at your weekly fix podcast. So hope to guys see you guys all following on there. I also wanted to say I haven't mentioned this, but I actually hit over 500 followers on the podcast Instagram. So thank you guys so much if you follow that. That was really cool to see. Um, it's growing and it's reaching more people, which is just really incredible. So thank you if you have shared my podcast on social media, if you have shared it via you know, like through your families or friends or your networks, that is so appreciative. And I really um, enjoy the fact that you all are enjoying the podcast. So thank you guys so much. 
And yeah, let's get started. We are going to get right in with the introduction segments as usual. The first thing we are going to talk about is the book of the week, which is a book called Separated Inside an American Tragedy by Jacob Sabaroff, who is a NBC News and MSNBC news correspondent. I am a huge MSNBC gal, so Jacob Sabaroff is kind of like my MSNBC crush, I say. He's such a cutie, (laughs) but more than that, he's an incredible journalist. So I knew when he spent time at the border and he spent time learning about, um, immigration and the immigration crisis in America right now I knew that once I found out he was writing this book I really wanted to get my hands on it so it just came out um I like a nerd pre-ordered it but it is available to everyone now and uh basically what it is is a really great deep dive into the American tragedy right now which is the separation of children and their families at the border and um I know many of you probably saw a lot of that on the news when it was, quote, happening, but it's still happening, and we can't stop. I think it's a great example of the fact that we can't stop fighting for justice and acknowledging the injustices in the country, even when the news, our mainstream media, isn't talking about it anymore. And what is really great about this book is that Jacob goes into a really critical um, place where he talks about his observations, the immigrants that he's met, uh, the... Border Patrol agents that he's met and spoken to, different stories of immigrants, and then in addition talks about the implications of the immigration crisis of separating families at the border and what that means for our country in a pretty factual way where you're just kind of going through the motions and reading about the history of immigration, but also a lot of anecdotal stories that really break your heart broke mine um there's actually a piece that i want to share with you guys from the book so this is a story of a brazilian citizen and this is what it says it says i am a citizen of brazil and i am seeking asylum in the united states when i came to the united states i passed my initial asylum interview and now in immigration proceedings before immigration judge to seek asylum although i was seeking asylum i was convicted of misdemeanor for i was convicted of a misdemeanor for entering this country illegally when a border guard approached me a few feet after i entered this country on august 26 2017 i explained to him that i was seeking asylum i was still prosecuted i spent 25 days in jail for this misdemeanor after my jail sentence i was sent on september 22 2017 to an immigration detention center in texas called the el paso processing center and transferred to the west texas detention facility also known as sierra blanca i have been in that detention center since that date i am attempting to proceed with my asylum claim for from detention my biological son jay is 14 and came with me from brazil he is also seeking asylum when i was sent to jail for my conviction my son was taken from me and sent to a facility in chicago i know that the jail did not allow children to stay with their parents but I have now been out of jail and have been in immigration detention since September 22, 2017. I am desperate to be reunited with my son. I would like to be released with my son so we can live with friends in the United States like we pursued when we pursued our asylum cases. But if we cannot be released, I would like us to at least be detained together. I worry about Jay every day, constantly, and I don't know when I will see him. We have talked on the phone only for five or six seconds at a time. He was take since he was taken from me. I know that Jay is having a hard time detained all by himself without me. He is only a 14-year-old boy in a strange country and needs his parent. I hope I can be with my son very soon. I miss him and I am scared for him. I declare under the penalty of perjury under the laws of the United States of America that the foregoing is true and correct based on my personal knowledge. And that was done at Sierra. He uh, got this statement from... Um, this immigrant uh, in March 7th of 2018 at Sierra Blanca. So I just loved that piece because it just swiftly outlines that the reason why separating families at the border is a tragedy is because it's psychologically damning, it's inhumane, it's illegal, and there's so many things wrong with it. But in this case, people love to talk about immigrants coming to the United States illegally this woman was seeking asylum and we have a promise to people um in this country that if you are fearing 
persecution, if you are fearing for your life in the country that you are in, you are allowed to seek asylum in this country. That's what the Statue of Liberty is all about, um, is welcoming people to a free nation, which we are now figuring out is very much not free for certain people. So I would get your hands on this book. It is called Separated Inside an American Tragedy. It goes into some very deep and graphic stories of people's immigration experiences, but it also talks a lot about the political implications, uh, the difference between Barack Obama's immigration policies versus now President Trump's immigration policies and how they have transpired. So you get a little historical context while also seeing what is transpiring right now in America and how we have to keep our eyes on it. Next, I want to go into our moment in history, which rightly so. Like I said last week, we would definitely be talking about John Lewis and civil rights. For those of you who don't know, John Lewis, congressman of the 5th District of Georgia, passed away last week. And it's actually July, Sunday, July 26th when I'm recording this. And today he is being mem- memorialized by crossing the Edmund uh, Pettus Bridge in Selma one last time. And it was 55 years ago when John Lewis marched across that bridge to peacefully protest the civil rights of black folks. He and many other peaceful protesters were met by police at the end of the bridge in which they were beaten like animals for simply exercising their right to peacefully protest and demand the fair and equal treatment for black folks. John Lewis was only 25 years old and he was the first one hit by police, leaving a scar on his head that he died with that he still had today. This day eventually became known as Bloody Sunday, which demonstrates the courage and the bravery that these young activists displayed by enduring violence to demand justice. And just two months later, seeing Bloody Sunday happen, it inspired uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1965 to be passed. Right now, there is currently a fight to rename the bridge from its name now to the John Lewis Bridge to honor him and honor his legacy and you know a lot of people remember John Lewis for Bloody Sunday but he was also known for a lot of other things he was the one of the original 13 freedom riders who were the black and white activists who challenged segregated interstate travel in the south in 1961 he was also the founder and early leader of the student nonviolent coordinating committee which coordinated lunch counter sit-ins uh, which was organized Um, to do the March on Washington, where Dr. King was the main speaker on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. He led demonstrations across the country to spread um, his his feelings against racial segregation, segregated restrooms, hotels, restaurants, public parks, swimming pools, and he rose up against other minority groups who were oppressed, uh, or second-class citizens at the time, if you will. And at nearly every turn, he was found by police, beaten, burned with cigarettes, tormented, tortured by white mobs, by police, and absorbed major blows um, in doing so. But he kept fighting. And I think what's so important today is to remember that John Lewis did not stop fighting. And that is crazy to think about. We often go on our day-to-day uh, lives, you know, your your timeline's probably changing and your algorithm is probably changing on your social media and you're seeing fewer and fewer people talking about Black Lives Matter right now. Um, and that's just at a really small scale. Think about John Lewis and think about like literally the violence he endured his whole life, physical and non-physical, to fight for the rights of others and I think it's just an important time right now to talk about his legacy and to carry it out like there's no time to sit down this man risked his life for this country and to see it be better and to see it people of color finally treated fairly and justly and we are seeing in America that is still not the case so today as we remember John Lewis I think it's just incredibly important to talk about or think about how, like I said a couple episodes ago about power and privilege and how you can use your privilege and your power to truly do something greater than yourself and that there is a greater purpose in the world. And John Lewis saw that and he will always be remembered as a hero. But instead of just remembering him as a hero, 
we need to actively carry out his legacy and continue to fight. Okay, so moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about the news. I am covering uh, just about three stories today. Of course, there's always so much going on in the world, and there's always a lot of news, and you can use your reliable, incredible, unbiased sources (laughs) to find more stories. But the first thing I want to talk about is what the hell is going on in Portland. Um, A lot of people have been posting about this on social media, not as much, but we are finding out in Portland, Oregon, that like across the world, or excuse me, across the country, BLM protests are still continuing since the murder of George Floyd, and people are demanding justice for uh, black folks who have been murdered or abused at the hands of police officers. So protests are still continuing every day, every weekend in major cities and towns across the United States. Right now in Portland, Oregon, there have been many protests um, calling for the uh, justice for black folks, including even the mayor has been out protesting. It's still something they are protesting, which is awesome. But what happened is people found that these federal agents, uh, militarized federal agents from the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Justice inflicting major pain and terror on these BLM and racial justice protesters. So apparently these militarized agents came into Portland, Oregon, and they've been using really harsh tactics like tear gas and beating and and similarly to what we saw when the peaceful protesters like John Lewis were attacked for peacefully protesting. And if we're not, I mean, as long as I've known, we live in America where we are allowed to protest and demand the rights of of people in this country and demand our, our elected officials do something about it. So it's generally terrifying that we are now seeing federal agents, militarized federal agents, militarized law enforcement create war on its own people and donald trump has already threatened that that he would inflict military in or enable military to go into cities and stop protests and we're slowly starting to see that um at first they were actually disguised without police uh uh notation on their their clothing apparently now they do have police Uh, written on them but regardless they're arresting people unlawfully they are torturing them tormenting them and not allowing citizens to use their voice and their right to protest so this is now happening across the country they're doubling down and going into more cities and it's really really scary and it's a violation of human rights so All I have to say is you can do a lot uh, right now to stop this by just like putting pressure on your federal officials. So, for instance, people in the United States Congress or the United States Senate who represent you, um, that's the best way to do that. You can look up their phone numbers and their office information right on their websites. And I also wanted to just plug this Instagram because this is kind of where I first saw that uh, there was an issue with you know, Portland and, and what was happening and, and, um, these militarized tactics and it's called now simplified. And what I really like about this Instagram, I think you guys should follow it is it really truly just engages people in politics in a more simplified way. So if you're having a hard time figuring out what to read, what to focus on, this kind of, uh, does a little simplified version or at least the hot topics um, and points that you can take from from different from different uh, topics. So there's a thing on the legalization of marijuana, things about this uh, year's election, how Senate races work, um, troops overseas, Title IX, tough political conversations, all all really cool things. So I would definitely follow it. It's called Now Simplified. Okay, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about Native American folks and coronavirus. So, actually, this morning I was watching CBS Sunday Morning with my mom, which we do all the time, and they featured this really horrific story talking about the lack of clean water in the United States. And when we think of the lack of clean water, we think about Flint, Michigan, and how they still don't have clean water, which is literally insane. And, of course, I think about that all the time. But what we don't talk about are people in this country, Native folks on reservations that 
are living very impoverished lives and not being um, given basic human human rights. And this happens all across the country, but especially for Native American folks. So on this story um, on CBS, they talked a lot about the Navajo Nation, which is, if you don't know where this nation is, it's mostly in Arizona, New Mexico, and then a little bit of Utah. And Native American folks just don't have running water. And what I found is that, in fact, two million people do not have running water or safe running water or plumbing period in their homes or a, a water system in their in their neighborhood. Keystone, West Virginia, is a really popular area, or not popular. It's popular knowing that they don't have access to clean water. Citizens are denied the access to clean water. And what I want to talk a little bit about today is that we so often throw out little statements like I have too, like wear a mask, wash your hands stay six feet apart, don't go to work, things to keep people safe, which are obviously incredibly important and you need to be doing them. You need to be wearing a mask and protecting yourself and others from coronavirus. But how are people able to do that in this country when they don't even have the basic needs and resources to do that? Native American reservations actually were swarmed by coronavirus and didn't have the access to healthcare like American citizens off the reservation they didn't have the access to um to quality resources to help combat covid and when you don't even have clean water running in your home because america just like doesn't give people clean water which is a basic human right how can we frivolously yell say like wash your hands do this do that when we don't even provide people with the basic needs in order to to do that and it's just take a seat and think about for a second what life would be like without running water and in the story it says two million people in this country don't have running water why not this is just another example of stripping people specifically native folks and then another category of high they said um in addition to native folks Latinos and and black folks are the second two categories who don't have who have the least amount of clean water in their neighborhoods this is a violation this is a violation this isn't happening in affluent white neighborhoods this isn't happening in the suburbs this is happening in areas where we continue to suppress and oppress people of color including native americans and with even more with native folks we don't they're like a forgotten population and that's horrid that's literally horrible and I really want people to start shedding light on it more where often we turn such a blind eye to our reservations and our native brothers and sisters like this is really serious and every day I find a new injustice that freaks me out like gives me a pit in my stomach and today it's the it's the lack of of clean water for and 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 not only does clean water help people live because it's a basic need to to have a decent life it also provides it la it 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 complicates uh access to food um an inconvenience just in people's lives like making life more difficult for people who don't deserve it these are tax-paying law-abiding people and if they don't have access to clean water what are we doing we we have a military military budget that could be cut in half well, I don't know. That's an opinion of mine. Please don't come at me. That could be cut at least a little and provide people in, with water. People even have more access to food in these areas than they have of water. That's nuts. So I just wanted to shed light on that. Um, you know, these towns like don't have water. They literally have to go to dirty water wells or collect it from the side of the road. That's that. Those are people living in our country, the 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 a rich, flourishing, beautiful country that we all tout ourselves to be, and we don't give people water. Just think about that. And lastly, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how the Boston Red Sox featured a or unveiled a banner and. Um, things in their arena or sports complex whatever that uh state black lives matter and i think it's worth talking about just because blm was once demonized it still is by by people they've people consider blm to be a terrorist group or a hate group that's obviously not true but although there are still people who believe that i think it's the right and the, 
a step in the right direction and amazing to see popular sports teams normalizing the fight for racial justice. Uh, this can't just be a select few people. Like when Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel for the flag, he was the token person who, you know, who did that and people looked up to him as being the one. And then slowly more football players started to do it, but then we're, were told to stand up or, or were demonized for their right to peacefully protest. And now I'm seeing that on a grand scale, there are more people in sports, but other areas that are finally starting to join the fight for racial justice. And I think it can't just be some, it has to be all of us uh, fighting for this. And even though it's just a symbol, it's a it's something that now Red Sox spectators and players will will go to the games and be reminded of racial injustice in this country every every time they go to a game. And I think that awareness and education is top of the line right now. So if you can constantly be reminded that Black Lives Matter, whether that's putting it on your baseball diamond or putting it in your bedroom or a sign on your apartment, that's awesome to constantly be reminding people of that. And the more we normalize it, the more people who often didn't see BLM as a, as a priority will start to see it. Now, before we get started on the meat of this week's episode, I wanted to quickly talk about um, two things. One, Breonna Breonna Taylor's killers are still out there and have not yet been arrested. Um, There is actually an investigation happening to investigate the handling of her case. So there's plenty of resources on your Weekly Fix podcast Instagram. If you go to the resources highlight, there are resources, numbers, um, things you can do, who you can call, and what you can do to help Brianna Taylor um, get justice. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on is that as of today, July 26th, it's 100 days until the general election. So tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, it'll be 99 days. And that is so close. It is not far away at all. So if you are new to your weekly fix, please go back and listen to episode two on elections. I did a whole crash course on government elections, the basics, um, everything you need to know. That episode was primarily geared towards the primary election, which um, there are still primaries, I think, happening. So you can listen to that depending on the state that you live in. It might still apply. But regardless, it's a lot of really great information on how you can register to vote, all the implications of voting versus not voting, government, who you're voting for, um, who's on the ballot, what are down ballot candidates, everything. So I would definitely take a listen to episode two and learn how you can register to vote if you have not yet registered. And then I'll be doing a part two on that closer to the election having to do with Um, how you can prepare for the general election this November. So stay tuned for that. And I just want to keep reminding everyone to register to vote. It's very simple. You can go to www.vote.org. There's also plenty other ways you can do that. And you can find those resources on your Weekly Fix podcast Instagram. And make sure your family and friends are registered as well. Okay, so we're finally here to talk about New York City, what life was like in New York, what college is like in New York City, and then I wanted to throw in some tips and advice on internships, academics, professionalism, networking, jobs, all that good stuff, and I hope you guys get something from it. Like I said, you don't need to necessarily be in college or even have the intention of going to college to gain something from this episode. It helps um, if you are out trying to you know, get a job if you're looking to get into the market, if you're going in for a trade. I don't know exactly how all fields work, but I think a lot of these tips can be very much helpful. So it's funny, like a lot of people since I started this podcast kind of want to know what my college experience was like, which I appreciate and I think it's relatable. And if you are considering moving to New York City or going to college in New York City, I think I can be a good resource for you guys. Um, I think people wanted to learn a little bit too about, like I said, the pressures of New York and more my social life and my day-to-day, which I, like I said, could go into another episode on that. But what I want to do with this podcast is not only give you guys um, theoretical, like social and, uh, I don't know, like academic standpoint on issues I also want to give you practical advice and things that um, I can help you with as well not just by being educated but then what you can do to be better in your professional life and just in your life in general so I thought this would be a good opportunity 
and yeah so i hope you guys enjoy uh for those of you who don't know like if you're new here there my first episode where i welcomed you all to your weekly fix podcast i did talk a lot about my college experience but if you have not listened to that i will quickly just explain a little bit about me so my name is victoria and <laughs> welcome to your weekly fix and i I'm from upstate New York and I graduated high school in 2015 and moved right to New York City after high school graduation and completed four years and got my bachelor's at a small school in New York City. It's John Jay College of Criminal Justice and it is part of the CUNY system. It is in the middle of Manhattan and it was definitely a non-traditional experience. Uh, My campus only had a few buildings. It was right in the middle of the city so you just kind of fall upon it doesn't stand out um I mean okay John Jay is beautiful if you've ever been or seen pictures but you know what I mean it's not like Columbia um, or Fordham where there is an actual campus so I studied political science I um, took a year off after college I am currently in my gap year working for New York County Defender Services and I started that job before I graduated and continued with it and then um, I'm actually attending the University of Maryland this fall so maybe I'll talk a little bit too about um, preparing for grad school I'll be getting my master's in public policy so that's where I am in my life Um, I really enjoyed college in New York I talk a little bit more deeper into what I did and didn't like about New York City in that first episode Um, I think just generally and briefly the things I didn't love about New York are uh the press that like the pressures um financially it's tough because especially someone like me who's in the business of public service uh jobs don't pay very well and there's a lot of expenses in new york but what i did love about new york is um all the experiences i did gain i wouldn't have wanted my college experience to be any other way and um i really enjoyed all that i learned and i really think i grew as a person uh, incredibly i'm i'm really <laughs> nothing like i was in high school <laughs> i mean maybe a little i guess but um i really grew and i had experiences that are one of a kind so i would say if you are interested in going to college in New York, if you're interested in spending a summer in New York, um, or moving to New York after college, I would go for it. It's an experience like no other. It comes with a lot of, uh, struggles. It's not like sex in the city. It's not like gossip girl or whatever you think you're going to get out of it. Uh, it, if you're a middle-class person like me, it comes with a lot of difficulties and struggles financially. Um, if you're moving there and you don't know anyone, like I didn't know anyone, meeting friends is actually very easy just take your time and don't feel pressured to find your group right away because I did not and uh, I've met my lifelong friends in New York so I think that that should not be a fear of yours and yeah just go prepared and just know that no matter how hard it gets if you can make it there you can really make it anywhere and it's a really sometimes off-putting and uncomfortable experience in certain ways but those are the points of growth and I think that you are so ahead of your game if you can survive some time in New York especially professionally and um, it's a lot of fun too oh my gosh you will see things that you will have never have seen before and you will have a lot of fun the city literally never sleeps and you can find fun anywhere so I know unfortunately New York is not what it was like when I left it um, during the coronavirus pandemic but hopefully there is still fun in New York. I'm sure there is. I miss it a lot. And just FYI, I I like to move. I like to try new things. I don't know if I'll go back to the city, but chances are I probably will. So if that also gives you any um, feeling, it's like, you know, all the, the, the obstacles and troubles that come with New York is obviously always worth it. I, I still think I would go back. I, I miss it a lot. So So the first thing I want to touch on is internships. In New York City, I think internships are uh, very much hammered into your head that you kind of need internships, at least at my college. The best thing I thought about, okay, there's so many best things about John Jay, but one of my favorite things about John Jay is, and I, I said this in the first episode, is that everybody is more than just a student. Everyone is working or trying to get ahead professionally, and so it was a great balance between um 
theoretical and educational experience, but then also putting all that into practice by working and like getting all these incredible professional opportunities, which if you go to school in New York City, that is the best part that you don't have to wait for a summer to get an internship. You can have internships and jobs year round and it's just awesome. So when we talk about internships, I know it's very important, especially now, like every year jobs get more and more competitive. So you need internships. You need to put yourself into a different category than your peers and internships are a way to kind of make your resume a little bit more competitive and I had a really great experience getting internships the ones I wanted being rejected from a lot trying again things like that and I think that it has definitely helped me it's definitely one of the reasons I got into grad school um it's you know, every time I go on a job interview, people are like, you have incredible experience for somebody who's 23. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying like, that's the best part of New York City is that you can really have uh, experiences like no other. And I really benefited from them. So my first piece of advice when you're looking for internships, whether you are in college in New York City, or you are, you know, college elsewhere, and you are trying to get an internship in the city is to get very well connected with your career center on campus. So if you don't have a career center, that's a shame because you should, but most colleges have career centers. Some have career centers per program or per college, which is even cooler. But at John Jay, I found a lot of really important information from my career center. It's something I did in the first semester of freshman year. I went in and befriended a lot of the, the um like career counselors and um, staff that were in the office. They had a lot of like workshops during our what we called community hour. And there was always an opportunity and an event happening with the Career Center. And I did my best to try to get involved with them. That said, I got pretty lucky and applied to this like internship program through the Career Center where I got a stipend and it allowed you to um, – be a part of this like group in addition or in conjunction with having an internship and your internship could be quote unpaid because you get the stipend from the career center which also often opens a lot of doors for more internships and um financially it's it's very helpful so I know a lot of schools do have stipend programs like that once I found out that those were available at my school I pretty much became addicted to taking advantage of them (laughs) but anyway the point is the your career center will do a lot to help you with your resume with cover letters interviews whatever step you're at you know you always need help my resume has changed probably a hundred times uh it's format it's wording everything because I've gotten so much advice from the the counselors in my career center at John Jay but like just professionally too and and you learn different things so there's always room to grow in your profession you like grow your professional self on paper and in in person and I think the career center at your school can do a really good job at helping you guys with that you always have to be okay with asking for help Uh, you really need to drop the ego because if you think you're perfect you're never going to uh, grow up or advance and I think that being vulnerable and just being open to any new information and any advice or any help is what makes you stand out because you're always looking to be better And that's very important with competitive internships. You kind of have to be open to criticism. If your resume, you think your resume is perfect, it's probably not. And there's always room for improvement and to not be defensive or upset about that criticism, but to just take it and try to improve. Because for the most part, people in the college or higher ed or academia life like to help students. So just go in with an open mind and just take all the advice you can get from the people who are in your career office at your school. A second thing is career centers often host job and internship fairs. And I really, really think that job and internship fairs are so underrated. I actually got my first internship from a job and internship fair at John Jay. And it It's really helpful if you're out of high school or you don't have a lot of experience, you don't have an internship yet. Sometimes blind applications are very difficult to submit and even be seen or be called for an interview because there's so many applicants 
Um, sometimes they often within 10 seconds will just throw your resume out if it doesn't meet some sort of criteria or the format isn't correct. So a job and internship fair, if you're someone like me who likes to talk and likes to impress people through my mouth just as on paper, um, that's going to be a place where you can thrive. So what I did is um, for my first one, as you guys know as well, or I hope you know, when you do the job and internship fairs, usually the colleges will offer a list before of the employers and places and and whatnot that'll be on campus um, for those two days or day or whatever. And you can research them, look into them, see if you can find their hiring recruiter, um, like just know some quick facts about them, what the positions entail, like what their mission is, all those things, and really highlight the ones that you want to to go to and then have some information about that so for me I you know in high school had a lot of jobs um but they weren't obviously applicable to my field I worked at Rudy's if anyone from Oswego is listening to this I worked at Rudy's in high school and Paul's Big M so yeah shout out Oswego um so I obviously didn't have any experience but what I did was I went right to um the, the job that or the employer that I wanted to um, have an internship with that summer right away and I talked to the hiring people and I really just spin out a lot of facts and information and conversation and they were very impressed by that and then they didn't really even look at my resume because they remembered me and then at the end of the fair before I left I went back and thanked them and shook their hands again and, and whatnot and that goes a long way I know networking is very scary because people consider it like when you're networking you just go you know to some like round table event or like where you're standing around with name tags and that's not that is networking but networking is these interpersonal relationships that you're going to gain um you know off the cuff at, at an event like this and 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 you can get something from it so all that being said I would go prepared. I would look at the list of employers first, do your research so you can wow those job recruiters and then always send a thank you email or um, follow up with the person you talk to, keep their name, add it to your network. They always have their business cards, what have you, what have you. And like you can connect with them on LinkedIn and do things to kind of build your network at the same time. And then most of the time, even if they can't offer you something on the spot or like within the few days, they will consider you for future opportunities if you keep yourself present, if you make yourself present in their life, like by sending them emails, obviously don't annoy them or spam their inbox, but if you continuously reach out to them for future opportunities, they will remember you and remember your name. So don't ever fear that your resume isn't up to par as what you think it should be or you don't have the experience because places like job and internship fairs are really going to be a place where you can wow people and explain maybe why you don't have experience. Also, just plain and simple, people know college students don't have a lot of experience, so take that with a grain of salt, I guess, but um yeah, so I would do that. Those are things that worked for me. There's obviously so many other things you can do. You can do, um, you know, the law of large numbers is real. <laughs> like I've done this too, where I've sent out just my resume to so many different um, jobs and internship postings. And eventually, you know, just by the basis of the law of large numbers, you'll get a call or an email. Also, before I move on, um, my college had like a database for jobs and internships that employers specifically had to reach out to John Jay to get those uh, jobs like on that database. I know other universities have that and sometimes it can be catered towards your field so I would definitely take advantage of those resources on campus too if you guys have a spot where you can go and get um, like a lump sum of internships and jobs that are offered. And then once you're in your internship or job, which I'm kind of using internship and or job like loosely because in New York, for instance, like, I don't know, I had internships that were structured. Like, for instance, there's two that I can think of, um, like my internship with Senator Gillibrand and then my internship with the D Manhattan DA's office. Those were like structured semester long programs, which are very common. But then I also had internships that were a little bit more looser and they didn't fit a certain schedule or timeline and for one of them I started off as an unpaid intern and then became 
an employee and then became paid and worked paid for a year and it wasn't an internship anymore. So I think in New York City, very unique to New York, you can get positions like that that come out of internships or like for me, I just needed uh, to work. So I it was like a win-win as well to get relevant experience and uh, getting paid, which is um, unfortunately sometimes hard to come by. So just wanted to put that out there. So once you're in the internship or the job, I would just say to continue to network. And it's not like I said that like grueling like feeling where you have to go with your name tag and pass out your business cards like I don't like that either I love to talk and I love to meet people but I'm also an introvert and I I feel sometimes a little awkward in structured settings like that so of course those are great and if if it's your personality go for to those events but when I say networking I just mean like keep in touch with the people in your office like as casual as it is you really should meet everybody in your office or at your place of work and try to learn a little bit about them. Maybe they went to the same college as you did. Um, Maybe they are from the same hometown as you. And then you can like spark a discussion based on that. And it adds a little bit of some like notoriety (laughs) to your, to your, um, to your position or, or, or your role there. And to just not only impress them like so you can get some promotion it's more just talk to people so you can get the most out of any internship especially the ones that are unpaid the best thing you can get out of it is experience but also a network and then talking to people who are in a role that you could see yourself in someday really helps weed out um like if you have discussions with them you can start to make better decisions about your path or your career and what your life might look like after college or something like that so I say connect with people in the office and honestly everyone really does want to chat I mean like if someone came up to you and said hey can you tell me about your life and your job and your experience and your college experience and everything of course you're gonna want to answer and be flattered that somebody is coming up and asking you so and I mean if you're at a good internship too they will always make that available and um the office is always pretty or I keep saying office because that's kind of the setting I've always been in but your place of work will always be open to to um helping you connect with people and then once you're in that internship or job I would say just to say yes to everything you can every shift every project every task always say yes first of all it'll just impress your employer and you'll want them for a reference in the future but when you say no to a project or an opportunity, you're really limiting yourself to a possibility or something you might find yourself good at or an additional contact you can make or just something more you can learn. And you're, we have to remember how young we are when we're in college and like this is the time where we're going to be able to have those trial and errors. And I talked about that in my 20s. Um <laughs> uh episode two so just take everything in and um I think you guys will will really benefit from saying yes to everything also jobs are always easier to get when you have a networking opportunity I know that sounds annoying I hate when people say that to me like networking is everything it's the people you know no it's not like in a negative way it's not like of course you can get ahead by having influential people in your life who know you but it's really just the small networking um interactions you have and these interpersonal relationships you can gain that will help you in the future so a really cool story I always like to tell people and I think it's a huge networking success story for me is a I told you guys that I did receive my first internship my first semester of college like or no it was my second semester but for that summer following my freshman year and I went to the table that I wanted to go to New York County Defender Services I talked a lot to them we talked about like crazy things that you wouldn't really even talk about at a job fair like family and professionalism and all this random stuff and then um, I got the internship it was unpaid but like I said I had that supplemental program that gave me a stipend which was amazing and then I stayed in touch with them loosely like not I, like I said I wasn't spamming the my boss's email I wasn't doing anything I just stayed in touch with her and then um I was finishing my senior year and I was really getting scared about job opportunities and what was happening post-grad for me I didn't know what was going to happen 
Um, which I guess I could do an internship on my post-grad decisions and stuff because I said I was going to do that. Okay, well, there's an idea. And I reached out to my boss. I said, I love my internship there. I still think of coming back all the time. Please let me know if you have any job opportunities full-time for me when I graduate, which will be um, May 2019. And then I did that to a couple others, but I really did want to go back to my first position at the public defender's office. So to my surprise, my former boss contacted me. She was still there and she offered me a job well, I went in for a secondary interview and just talked over some things with her. And then they even accommodated me and let me work part-time my last semester of college. And then it transitioned into a full-time position. So that's just like so cool that this was my first internship and it turned into my job post-grad. So that's kind of like what I mean about networking. It does not need to be some structured um like anxiety provoking experience it really can just be people you meet along the way and it might almost even seem like you're making friends really but there are professional networks another way to network is by attending all and every forum and event on your campus especially when it's related to your field so I also forgot to give a disclaimer I've only had experiences really in public service um, and in the law firm setting so I don't know what other like industries are like I know finance I think the internships are a little bit more difficult to get because they're like these structured programs um like for Bank of America big banks Goldman Sachs things like that um but I think everything still kind of applies so just want to put that out there and yeah so go to every event every um event you can go to and just kind of talk to people when you're there I know that is a little uncomfortable especially if you're introverted but um, if you push yourself to do it, it ends up being very rewarding and people are really nice. So um, take that opportunity as well. Like I said, especially if it's in your industry or your market that you're looking to uh, pursue a career in, I think that would be very beneficial. Actually, I did a research paper, which I think I talked about in one of these episodes, and I was able to present it at... Um, this event at at John Jay and then someone came up to me after and said hey I know so-and-so who works at this place and you're interested in this stuff so maybe you two should connect and that's another thing too when you go to these events all these people especially if you're a student really do want to help you and they're better at networking than we are so they can kind of set you up and then I was able to have like this you know informational interview with this uh, person who he connected me with over the phone and just another way to build your network. So um, that's another point to touch on is informational interviews. I think that they are also underrated. It's not like they even need to be formal, but you can always ask for someone to have a meeting with you if you have this dream organization or company you want to work for, but there aren't any openings right now or something. um, Still follow up and have an informational interview or a talk with them to just kind of talk about the company, what your intentions are, what you're looking for, and what you can give to them. And, you know, they'll always hang on to your resume and they will remember you for the future. So those are kind of just some of my more uh, direct like advice I can give you on steps you can take today. But I wanted to also just quickly talk a little bit about life in New York if you are planning on Uh, pursuing a job or internship or college in New York City, some things that you can do just when you're there, something that's not actionable right now, but might be in your day-to-day life when you're there and just to keep, keep in mind. So the first thing is I talk about money a lot because for me, money is important. Like I said, I'm not an heir to an empire and I'm not um, someone who has gotten, I guess, all that much financial help from family with school and I'm sorry mom and dad you have been the best and you have helped me in many ways but I'm just putting it out there that um, money isn't growing in our backyard so I found very creative ways to pay for college and I think this is so under underrated in uh, colleges for me like I said I went to a smaller school this might be different if you go to a big school but I would still pursue these opportunities and when it comes to finance I think for me I went I purposely picked a public school because it was more affordable but also in New York City even though things are really expensive the job market is bigger or grandiose so you can um 
you can seek a lot of professional opportunities that are paid um, part-time work or or internships that are paid and then that can really help offset the costs um, and then more importantly your universities often offer a handful of scholarships and fellowships and there is a lot of money in higher ed there is a lot of money out there um, previous donors and previous um, alums or students of the school have money that they're looking to donate and I'm very lucky at John Jay pretty much all the money or not all the money but a lot of money that's put into the school is given back to the students I know that is not the case at a lot of private schools so I don't want to speak for those I just want to speak for my institution and what I experienced but once I got interested in looking into like fellowship opportunities and scholarships it became an addiction because I realized that money is out there to help students um offset the cost of living and and going to school so they can focus on their opportunities. So all I would say is to go to your university and ask for help in finding additional ways to fund your experience. So it's not necessarily going to be financial aid or scholarships, but there might be a program that you can join that offers an $1,000 dollars stipend for you to travel maybe in a during the summer or go to a conference Uh, when I went to DC to present my to present my um my research I didn't realize this but there was a scholarship to help support students going to conferences or um or programs like that so that was really helpful and really helped with the cost um another thing is cost of you know scholarships for study abroad if you're if your dream is to go to another country and you can't afford it otherwise there's often scholarships often scholarships for that um fellowships often require work but they are often prestigious and you can get money out of those and yeah I just think that don't just think that college is going to totally suck you down yeah student loans are real I've got one and I'm going to be taking on more going to grad school even after having a pretty good hefty almost full scholarship to my graduate program it's real and it's hard but there are ways that you can make it work and it's almost like you have to in New York City um another thing is I just became an RA in my college dorm I I didn't really care what people thought and I know there's a stigma against RAs as being like police and whatever but okay like I think I was a cool RA but you know, you'll have to ask my residents. (laughs) Um, But I just said, hey, if I can get some free rent out of this, that'll help save me some money. And joke's on you if you're not the RA. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, Just ways in finding, like, there's no sense in being embarrassed to ask for help, to know that you need, you know, financial stability or support. These things are available. And I think it might just take a little bit or an extra oomph to get you to you know, like, I don't know, applying for scholarships all the time really took up some time or applying to fellowships or applying to um, ways I I could get funding and awards was often a lot of work and maybe took up a Friday or Saturday night once in a while, but it it pays off and it will be um, very helpful. And in New York City, it is very stressful and you want to limit the stress as much as you can by doing things that can help you. So, whether it's your mental health, your physical health, or anything in your life, family, friends, money, whatever that cause you stress, you want to try to limit that as much as possible. So don't be afraid to ask for help when you're in New York or when you are looking for um, any resources, really, because people are there to help you and to take their advice and take their help and not be afraid of it. And then there's two more things I wanted to talk about just about college in general and, and like especially college in New York City. When you're or just life in New York City, you know, you go to the city where there's now an extremely diverse set of opinions and perspectives, and that can either really help you or really harm you. And I think some and it, uh, the best piece of advice I would give uh, to someone moving to New York or going to college in New York is to really keep an open mind and appreciate alternative or additional perspectives on on life about social issues about whatever you're whatever is being discussed to to just soak it in and not stay in your little bubble of whatever you knew before I guess because that's the whole point of college it's the whole point of growth is to have banter between people who have different opinions than you and that's you know, you can take what they say as 
um, just additional facts or additional opinions. Or you might even change your mind and might become a different person because of something you didn't think about before. And that's what college is all about, to open your mind. And I think in heightened times, we often are defensive and we're afraid to look at the other side. But this isn't totally political. I'm just saying that when you go to college, to not be afraid to have those conversations with people, to speak up, even if what you say isn't going to sound perfect, it's more important of how you're or what you're trying to say rather than how you're trying to say it and to not be afraid to speak up in classes to speak up in your groups or your job you know whether it's to advocate for yourself or to advocate for something or just to share your opinion I think you will benefit a lot from putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation and doing that rather than sitting back and not and not sharing your opinion or your feelings so I think that's incredibly important. It's a place where you'll find a lot of growth, even if it is uncomfortable for you. And it's essentially, like, really important in New York because you're really getting a unique experience being around such a diverse group of people. And lastly, I think when it comes to wanting to get a job out of college or you're going into a grad program, I think for me, the best piece of advice I can give is to not stunt your growth based on things that you don't think you might um, be interested in. I think what I learned in college that is so important is to say yes to everything and that's not just in your internships. Things that you don't think you might have or be interested in, take a shot and do it because A, you just are there to learn and to become a better critical thinker and to become smarter and just better so you might as well try to take any opportunity you can to to enhance that experience but more than anything I think a being in an uncomfortable situation or something that you're not familiar with and you're learning something new is great for your personal growth but it also helps with a competitive edge on your resume think about it like that if you're trying to get your dream job You should say yes to opportunities because it might be the thing that makes your resume look different than someone else's or might make you look like a more well-rounded person or applicant or a competitive applicant. And that is kind of my experience with research. When I went to John Jay, I never thought I would be involved in research. And then once I figured out that there was a lot of opportunities for undergraduates to complete research, I also got funding um, and I worked really closely with a professor. I was like, wow, I've never thought I would do something like this, but it's actually a really great experience. And I actually just had an interview um, like a couple months ago and the person who was interviewing me said, I really wanted, quote, to get you in here. Uh, to interview you first because of your writing sample and your research and your ability to write. So that right there was like a direct feedback from doing that research, which maybe I hadn't considered doing before. Um, So research is, that's in my case, but for you, it might be joining a club or running for student office or if there's an opportunity for you to work or intern somewhere that you didn't think you'd be interested in, um, take it. Just say yes to everything. That's, I think, what I would say. I mean, you have to also have fun. You have to enjoy yourself, and finding a balance is very important, but I was, I guess, overwhelmed in college sometimes, and that was tough, but I don't regret it because saying yes to everything paid off and it makes you a more well-rounded and and just better person so I wouldn't be afraid to try new things when you get to college or when you're just in your 20s period I've talked about this before but if you're moving to New York City or you are thinking of moving that's the best part about the city is that you can say yes to so much and you would never have experienced that otherwise it's a very unique place and to take advantage of literally every opportunity you get and push yourself and make it the most make the most of it okay i really hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode on new york city college my tips on internships and just how to make college um well worth it for you 
Um, I'm sure there's a lot more I could have said and continually will say um, if I think of things, but I will think of doing another episode on this if you guys like it. If you guys liked um, hearing about my experiences in New York, which I think a lot of you do, I will definitely consider doing another episode. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to DM me at your weekly fix podcast Instagram and my personal handle is also in the bio of that Instagram. You can also post on the Your Weekly Fix podcast Facebook group and please just follow along for more updates and information to come. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Bye-bye.